welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Open your Bibles to Philippians. This will be the last message in Philippians this year. We're going to pause for Christmas beginning next Sunday. Actually, we kick off Christmas this evening uh, with South Crest Christmas, and uh, we'll focus on the coming of Jesus to the, to the earth. But today, I want to pick up in verse 12. We, we took a break last Sunday, and for those of you who were gone, we're glad you survived and that you made it back. We're really glad that you're back and uh, you're, you have recovered from your Thanksgiving meal coma, and you are now back with us today. Verse 12, chapter 3 of Philippians, not that I have already attained, but am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. A man was going to work one morning. He got pulled over by a state trooper. Trooper walked up to him and said, Sir, did you not see that stop sign back there? He said, Sir, I've been driving this road for 20 years, and I have never stopped at that stop sign. Trooper wrote him a ticket, said, I bet you will now. Next day, this trooper was called to work an accident at that stop sign. And to his surprise, when he got there, at the very front of the line was the man that he gave the ticket to the day before. He walked up to him and he said, what happened? He said, don't ask me. Ask the man behind me that ran into me. He walked back there and he said, sir, can you tell me what happened? And he said, officer, it is not my fault I hit him. I've been following him for 20 years and he's never stopped here before. <laughs> I want to know what you've been doing for 20 years and you're still doing it. There's a sign on an Alaskan highway that said, choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. Ruts can be miles long, they can be months long, they can be years long. Sometimes ruts are smoothly traveled because we have traveled them so much. A rut can be comfortable, we can sing the same songs, we can sing, we can read familiar passages. You basically sit in the same place every week. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying that we are creatures of habit, and if we're not careful, even spiritually we can in a rut. Frog fell in a big truck rut. He couldn't get out. Mrs. Frog tried to help him. She cajoled him. She pleaded with him. She beckoned him, admonished him, tried to encourage him. He couldn't get out. So she slept him, went back down to the pond. About 30 minutes later, he showed up. She said, how did you get out of that rut? He said, a truck came along. I had to. I don't know what it's going to take to get you out of a spiritual rut, but we're going to talk today about avoiding them. 
the Lord said through Isaiah, Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. The theme of Philippians is joy. Joy regardless of your circumstances. Joy as you walk through this thing called life. But there's no joy when you get in such a routine that you become or you get into a spiritual rut. So let's talk about it for a minute. How do you get out of that? How do you avoid that? The first thing is you have a dissatisfaction with the past. Not as though I had already attained or am already perfected. Now, when you read the preceding verses in chapter 3 and you see all of the achievements that Paul has had, you would easily say, Paul, you, you've made it, man. You've done all there is to do. You, you are way up on the scale. And the statement is of a great Christian who never permitted himself to become satisfied with his spiritual attainments. Paul was saved, he was sanctified, but he was not satisfied. He never got to the place where he thought, you know, I have arrived, I am perfect. In fact, when he says, I am not yet perfect, it does not mean flawless. It means I'm not fully mature. I'm not fully there like Christ yet. I'm still growing in that. And one of the signs of your maturity is that you realize you've still got a long way to go. Do you remember when you had all the answers when you were younger? Now, some of you, that's been a long time ago. You can't remember it. But I can tell you this. You rem there was a time in your life, 15 maybe, you knew everything. You knew more than your parents. You knew everything. But as you've gotten older, one of two things has happened. Either you've matured and gotten wiser or you just flat forgot everything. I bet it's number one. I bet as you've grown, you realize the more I learn, the more I grow, the less I know. We're like the old cowboy who said, I ain't what I ought to be, and I ain't what I used to be. But praise God, I ain't what I'm going to be. Sanctified dissatisfaction is the first essential to progress. You see, the scene here is of running a race. The contestants are lined up at the starting blocks. There's grooves on the, the, the stone blocks, which allows them to get a foothold for a quick start. And after the race is over, they're giving, given a wreath. And that's what he's saying. I've not yet attained it. I'm not there yet. Will Rogers said, don't let yesterday use up too much of today. Well, the problem we face today is that we compare ourselves with other Christians. We, we look around, and I can always find somebody that I think in my mind is a little worse than me. Or I can find somebody that I think, well, I've done more than them. And we compare ourselves and think, you know, compared to so-and-so over here, I'm doing pretty good. And we begin to get into a rut. The only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth in fact, somebody said a rut, all a rut is is a grave with both ends kicked out of it. I don't want to get there. I've been a Christian a long time. Many of you have too. You've been following the Lord a long time. You've been in church a long time. But if we're not careful, we can be, begin to believe that we are finally there. The church at Sardis, 
Jesus said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. The church at Laodicea is saying, we're rich and we don't need anything. And yet Jesus said, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The believers at Smyrna didn't think they had anything. And yet Jesus said, you're rich. Samson didn't know his power was gone until it was too late. A.W. Tozer wrote a book entitled, Rut, Rot, or Revival. I love that title. But listen to what he says, just one paragraph. Think about people who find themselves in religious ruts. They discover several things about themselves. They will find that they're getting older, but not getting any holier. Time is their enemy, not their friend. The time they trusted and looked to is betraying them, for they often said to themselves, the passing of time will help them. Excuse me, the passing of time will help me. I know some good old saints, so as I get older, I'll get holier and better. Time will help me, purify me, and revive me. They said that the year before last, but they were not helped any last year. Time betrayed them. They were not any better than last year than they had been the year before. Just because you've known the Lord a long time, it's, you have to be careful that you don't slip into routine and rut. You know who Snoopy is. You may not have ever read Peanuts or all that, but you know who Snoopy the dog is. He's sitting outside of his doghouse. He's lamenting, yesterday I was a dog. Today, I'm a dog. Tomorrow, I'll probably still be a dog. There's so little hope for advancement. But that is not true for believers. You don't stay there. You don't stay the same. You keep on growing. So the first thing Paul is saying, I, I'm forgetting that stuff behind me. To avoid a rut, you need to have a dissatisfaction. In other words, I'm not going to live there. kind of goes with the second. There needs to be a determination. I'm going to proceed. Now, implied in the statement is that Jesus has a plan for our lives. Do you believe you're here taking up space? No, you're not here by accident. Your parents may have said you were an accident, but you're not here by accident. God has you here for a reason. He's got a plan for you. And Paul says, this one thing I do. Now, it's interesting because that scripture, you, that, verse, I mean, that phrase you find in other verses, when he spoke to the rich young ruler, which I read earlier today, he said, there's one thing you lack. When he was talking to Mary and Martha in their home, and they were arguing about what was mostly most important, and Jesus said to Martha, one thing is necessary. David wrote in Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. Jesus later said, you can't serve two masters. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And the reason why most Christians are living wasted lives and not growing and never improving and maturing or reaching God's potential in their life is because they don't have the right priority. They don't have that one thing on their mind. Paul mentioned several things. He said, first of all, I've already alluded to this some. He said, you've got to forget the past. Forgetting those things. Now, you'll notice in verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That's a bookkeeping term. And then he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things. Forgetting doesn't mean that you just 
completely wipe it out of your memory because you, you can't forget everything you've all you've done. When, when the Lord said in Hebrews, I will, and their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more, it doesn't mean that God con- conveniently loses his memory. He knows everything. But the word forget means I'm no longer going to be affected by that. I'm not going to be influenced by that anymore. I'm putting it behind me. The past of everybody in this room is marked by spiritual victories, spiritual defeats, by personal friendships, personal feuds, by personal relationships, by healing relationships, by hurtful ones. But the past is behind us. Why are you doing, why are you thinking the way you're thinking? Years ago, Many years ago, in Russia, a czar came upon a soldier standing out here in basically the middle of nowhere out on the property. And he said, why are you standing out here, guard? He said, captain assigned me to this position. So he went to the captain, and he said, why do we have a soldier standing sentry out here in the corner of the courtyard There's no gate there. There's nothing there. Why is he there? The captain said, sir, written regulations specify a guard was to be assigned to that area. So the czar demanded and ordered a search to find out why, and they went through the archives and finally found the reason. Years before, Catherine the Great had planted a rose bush in that corner, And she ordered a sentry to protect it for that evening. And over a hundred years later, there's a guard, there was a guard standing there. The rose bush wasn't even there anymore. Now, I said all that to say that there are a lot of people who are doing some things and they don't even know why they're doing it. When Paul said, I'm forgetting those things behind, I'd like to mention four things that I I promise you he had to forget. One of them I've already alluded to, well, I haven't in the past, was past guilt. Now think about it. Think about Paul's past when he was still named Saul. He was a murderer. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor of the church, burned in his memory with the time he was holding the coats while those people stoned Stephen. And I'm sure that Satan kept dragging up all that guilt before his face. He had to put that behind him. I want to ask you, what have you blown in the past? If there's anyone in this room that's never blown it or made a mistake in the past, would you please stand up so that we can congratulate you? (laughs) We've all made mistakes. We, we all have places we'd like to go back and have a do-over, another chance. Let me ask you this. Has God forgiven you? Yes? Then you need to leave it there. Your guilt is forgiven. been paid for. Leave it behind. We've got a lot of things in our past that we regret. 
Nothing you do can change that. You cannot go back and undo it. But a lot of people live in guilt all the time. I'm just such a sorry individual, and you can't believe all that I've done, and you can't believe that. I'm going to tell you something. And God said, I know that. I've forgiven you. I no longer want you to be affected by it. Quit living there. Another thing he had to forget was past grief. Paul had suffered terribly. He'd been beaten, been shipwrecked. He'd been scorned. He'd been left for dead. He'd been alienated. He'd been ostracized by his family. He had to forget all that. He knew he couldn't dwell on it, and he'd become bitter. But think of all of the grief that Paul went through. And he could sit around and sing that song as gloom, despair, and agony on me. But he said, I'm forgetting that stuff. How about past glory? Look at all that he had done. There's never a church planter like Paul. He, all the sermons he'd preached, he'd done many wonderful things. He'd preached to the intellectuals at Athens. He had preached to the Jews in Jerusalem. He'd preached to the pagans in Corinth. He planted church after church after church. He had been faithful to God. If anybody could say, I'm done. I've, I've done more than the average Joe, and I've done that. You forget that. He refused to be a used-to Christian. Now, what is a used-to Christian? You've met them. Do you know who they are? You've met them. I used to go to church. I used to sing in the choir. I used to attend Sunday school. I used to witness. I used to give. I used to, used to, used to. You know anybody like that? Paul said, that's not me. I'm still in the race. I'm still going. A lot of Christians are like the dog, the, the man who said, I, I used to be in politics. He was talking to his friend said, I used to be in politics. I was the dog catcher in my town for two years and finally lost my job. His friend said, what, did they get a new mayor? He said, no, I finally caught the dog. <laughs> a lot of people think, well, I've done all of this. Look what I have done. Look at all that I've accomplished for the Lord. Folks, that's in the past. That's in the past. I'll tell you another thing he had to forget was past grudges. He'd been mistreated. He'd been lied about. He'd been betrayed. He'd been sold out by friends and family. He had to forget about those things if he's going to serve God. Some of you are chained to the past because of grudges. You can remember every last person that's ever offended you. You got to let it go. You know, when you hold a grudge, it's like drinking poison, hoping that somebody else will die. Really? You know I'm right because you got real quiet. Of course, I've been quiet most of the morning. But no matter what someone has done to you in the past, you got to turn it loose. Look what God forgave you. You've got to move on. you got to. You can't just quit. I meet, I meet so many people, and I'm going to tell you, the older I'm getting, the less patient I'm becoming with these people. So i gotta, I got to hold it. i got to be careful, too. you got to let go of the past. You can't bring it back. 
no fun living in it. You got some good memories. Paul said, forgetting those things behind, I press on. The second thing is to, to follow the present. To get where we are. Hebrews 12, 2 said, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And here in verse 13, he says, I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I've got, I'm stretching out. I am, I'm living for the Lord today. I have today. Folks, that's all God gives us is one day at a time. Don't waste it. Live for the Lord. God has a plan for you now. Yeah, you may be older. Maybe you can't do what you once could do. But that doesn't mean that God can't still use you. You can pray. You can encourage. You can support. Stay in the race. And then you forge ahead for the prize. When he says, I press on, means to follow after like a hunter pursuing his prey. Reaching forth means stretching forth. I'm extending myself like you see these runners when they're stretching everything they have out to try to cross that finish line. He said, I am, I am moving on to what God wants me to do. Some Christians are so afraid of failure that they become reserved and cautious and uninvolved. And we get in our little holy huddles or cocoons. I don't want to do anything. They follow a policy of guarded living and they hold back time and their talents and their treasures. And they say, you know what? I don't want to fail, so I'm not going to try. You're going to fail when you try some things. Some things just don't work. Trust me, I know there's a lot of things that look good on the drawing board. They just don't fly very well. But I've learned what not to do. But don't be afraid to step out on faith. You, instead of being filled with fear, you step out and go forward in faith. Lord, keep using me. Your problems become challenges, and they may not all be solved, but courageous people move on in the reality of what God wants them to do now. Ben Franklin said, the man who does things makes many mistakes, but he never makes the biggest mistake of all, doing nothing. Doing nothing. God, what do you want me to do next? How can I be involved? Show me what I can do. It may not be a job in the church, per se. It may be something that the Lord's leading you to do wherever you go. And finally, getting out of a rut requires a desire for the prize. Verse 14, I press toward the goal. Now, this verse, listen carefully, does not mean you were earning your salvation. He's talking to Christians, brethren. He's talking to believers. You are not earning anything. You're not earning salvation. The high calling here, it's interesting. What is that high calling? I'll tell you what it is. 
in those days, they had stadiums like we have stadiums today. They, the Isthmian Games, the Olympic Games, those kinds of things. When the race was finished, the winner was called up on the platform. In fact, sometimes they would say, you've been called up. So you're going to walk up that platform, and they're going to present to you the, the victor's crown, and they had some other things that went with that. Like the Olympics, when the Olympics, they walk up on that platform, and they are crowned, or they're not crowned, they're given the Olympic medals. Paul is saying, when I'm called up, I want that victor's crown. I want to hear, well done. I, I want it to be a good thing. I, I'm living with that goal. Now, how do you live that way? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Two things. First of all, you stay dedicated. You don't stray. How do I know that? The word for goal. The word goal is the word scopos. means to look at. We get our word telescope from that word. It means a small mark on which your eyes are fixed. In other words, Paul has said the key to living a productive life is to focus. He had a one-track mind. You need to have a one-track mind. What is it? <laughs> to follow Jesus at school, at work, in your leisure. But, but most people who say, I'm a Christian, they have so many things on their mind. You ever heard that, that term, jack of all trades but master of none? It's amazing to me how many people will not allow Jesus to be part of all of their life. It's, it's almost like, well, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I, if I don't do this first, and I don't have this first, and I don't have this first, and if it's convenient. But Paul said, I press toward the goal. I'm, I'm focused that no matter where I am and no matter what I'm doing, Jesus is still at the forefront of my thoughts. He's still... He is still the one that guides me in the decisions I make. Does this make sense to y'all? So, when you stay focused, you don't stray. You got the right priority. You stay dedicated. The key is to have the right priority. I've read of a, a football coach who was trying to teach his six-year-old son how to be a place kicker, field goal kicker. He, the first day he got down on his knees, the coach put the ball down, he looked at his son, and he said, when I nod my head, I want you to kick it. <laughs> he lost two teeth. You remember the days when it used to be a circus? 
before all the politically correct people ruined it all. I remember going to the circus as a kid and seeing the guy get in the cage with the lions. He had a whip in one hand and he had a stool in the other. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why in the world did he have that stool? I'm thinking, if that lion comes at you, that stool's not tall enough to get you away from him. Why's he got that stool? I bet you don't know either. He held that stool and he pointed the four legs of that stool at that lion because the lion would try to focus on all of those legs at one time and he couldn't focus on anything. It was a distraction. There are a lot of Christians who are trying to focus their life on a lot of things instead of that one thing, this one thing I do. It also means, to, and, and I, what I mean by it is to stay in your lane. You know, in track, if you've run track, you had, the, the lines are marked. You see around a, a, a running track, all those lines and, and runners stay in their lane. In order to do that, you've got to stay focused. Or you can run off and get out of the lane. You stay focused. Scope us. Don't stray out of that. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, Lord, I'll serve you. But then they, they sort of get sidetracked. I'm going to tell you, on the, in this race, there are a lot of parking places and a lot of Christians have parked. The other way is to stay determined, to don't stop. I press on. It means to relentlessly pursue. Listen to me. In the spiritual walk, the winners don't necessarily finish first. They finish faithfully. Well done, good and Faithful servant. He didn't say first. High in the Alps Mountains, there's a monument that's been raised to a faithful guide who died ascending, trying to rescue a stranded tourist. And inscribed on that memorial stone are these words. He died climbing. Some Christians have retired. They've hung up their spiritual uniforms. They've sat down under the shade of an old apple tree to wait for the Lord to return. They're not really busily supporting or serving or doing anything the Holy Spirit leads them to do. They're just sort of there. I want to live until I die. I, I want to serve the Lord as best I can until He returns. I can't do everything I used to could do as a young person, and I'm sure things are you know, going to continue to change. But somewhere, somehow, I want to stay in the race. Lord, I can become a prayer partner. I can become a supporting partner. I can be an encourager. I, who knows? I can be 
I can reach out in my neighborhood. I, I don't know what God's going to tell you to do, but just don't quit serving the Lord. This one thing I do, because that's where the joy is. Knowing whatever I'm doing, Lord, you're on my mind. I am going to follow you. My decisions are going to be based on what you would want me to do. My, my life goal, my vocation is what you want me to do. It sure is easy to fall in those ruts, isn't it? But the good news is the Lord changes everything. And maybe you say, well, you know, I'm in one of those ruts. Well, the Lord says, you know what? Let me help you out of that. Let me help you out of that. I've just been waiting on you to ask me. Drive a stake down and say, Lord, from this day forward, help me to make some changes in my life. Now, listen, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results, that's the, that's the definition of insanity. So, Holy Spirit, help me change what I need to change and help me to make adjustments where I need to make. But you can't do any of this if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You can't. Religion, being religious, being religious doesn't do this. You're talking about a rut. <laughs> Religion and all the liturgy, their heart's not in any of that. You think God's in that? Well, I go in and recite, and I say 25 whatevers. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> really? No. No. Trust me on this. It's the Holy Spirit in you. It's a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus, you don't know nothing. How's that for good English? What I mean is, you either have him or you don't. And if you don't have him, you can have him today. And he's standing ready to forgive you and to save you and to change your life. You ask God to forgive you. You believe in your heart that God put your sin on him. He died for your sin. He rose again. And you trust you trust Jesus. You've put your faith in him. Lord, I give you my life. I trust you. Save me. Forgive me. Would you bow your heads? Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 